1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to Crossing Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus Christ is King. Amen. Amen. There is no neutrality, no exile. How much neutrality? Zero exile, zero neutrality, no surrender. My name is Jason. I am back here on the great continent of North America. Glad to have you back, Pastor. It's good to be back. We missed you so much. I missed you guys so much. John and Jordan are my co-hosts. How are you guys? We really missed you. We did. That is not sarcastic at all. <laughs> it, the feeling was mutual. I. It was kind of a weird thing. I'm sitting there over there in Zambia with my iPhone, and I pull up the you know the maps. You can see where your location is, and then I'm comparing that to where my family is, where you guys are. And it tells me it's 7,000-something miles away, so it's kind of a crazy thought to be able to get there by air safely. Incredible. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. This is episode numero siete, number seven, for those of you who don't speak Spanish. Number seven, we're halfway through the season, going into the second half. We have a lot of great stuff ahead for us tonight. We are going to talk about Zambia a little bit. I get to share some of those things with you, but first, um, man... Uh, thank you, listeners, for, for checking us out. Thanks for sharing the episodes. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your constant source of encouragement. Uh, it keeps us going, knowing that we get to uh, do this. It's such a blessing. It's rewarding. 
I know you guys feel the same way. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, tonight we're going to get to Zambia later, but we want to we wanna get to something first. Some of you know, maybe you don't know, but the Trumpster, President Trump is in the news. Our friend. He's always in the news. <laughs> uh, he didn't tweet anything, although he is always tweeting. He uh, tweeted something. He tweeted something. I mean, always he always tweets something. Something's <laughs> out there. Some kerfuffle. Kofefi. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best one, I think. Oh, my word. That was so funny. Now, he, the big news right now is, John, I want to bomb other countries, Bolton. John Bolton. Johnny B. Johnny B is gone. He is ousted. No yep. longer our guy. Praise, yeah. praise God. Nas- <laughs> former National Security Advisor John Bolton is gone. So, yeah, if everybody, you're listening, you know, say a prayer for John Bolton tonight. He's probably down the dumps. He was able to start zero wars during his tenure as National Security Advisor. And that has got to be disappointing for him. In, in a place like Washington, D.C., he stood out somehow. He somehow he stood out as someone who actually wanted to carpet bomb even more people than normal. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, man. We you know, we keep meddling. Ron Paul, God bless him, you know, the blowback effect. We just keep bombing countries. Speaking of Ron Paul, so Rand Paul, he uh, posted a uh, an article. He re- reposted an article from Reason magazine just covering the John Bolton firing. And he just posted, poor guy. <laughs> and the, <laughs> and the, uh, the name of the uh, article, the title of the article is, John Bolton is mad that Trump wouldn't let him bomb Iran. <laughs> because, uh, of course, after you get fired or, quote, Aww. resign, there's uh, this war of words that ensues. And in this case, it's, no, I didn't, I didn't get fired. I quit, you know. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but then now he's bashing Trump's foreign policy. He's right. saying we should have bombed this country. We should have bombed them. We should have bombed them sooner than we Bombs did. Bombs just fix all the world's <laughs> problems, right, guys? I mean, the Moab. Right? That's how that works. We should, Speaking of Moab, yeah. I, I, read, I read some conservative the other day thinking, li- literally saying the way you fix the Middle Eastern foreign policy is to, to literally nuke all of the Muslims it. in the entire region. Right. But like save Israel, of course, right? right. That, w- that was the solution. Yeah. Mass genocidal murder. I've heard that. Oh, we just need to make it a parking lot. Yeah, turn into a concrete slab. Yeah. yeah. That'll fix it. You know, we were just talking about that tonight. My family and I were on the dinner table. We were discussing some things they had been learning and working through with their co-op. And uh, we got on the subject of Israel. And my son, my oldest son, was asking me some questions about about Israel. And we talked about the fact that, by and large, they're very atheistic. Very um, their, their abortion rates are high. It's just... You know, not following Jesus Christ, of course. So they need to be discipled too. Um, but yeah, that's the that's a general consensus. Is you know, if if uh, Hezbollah or Iran starts to bully little Israel, you know, the United States is there, and we we're ready to just bomb anybody. And it's just a sham of a foreign policy because we think we can literally fix things by by bombing people. Of course, you know, the Iran Iranian church is growing. Christianity's yep. not thriving there. Right, right. So we, you know, we can and there, do that. The Iraqi church was growing before the war. Yep. And you know, we we don't really know what's going on in some of these uh, foreign policy issues, just because of a lot of the secrecy that goes on. But you know, the latest thing is that Iran allegedly has uh, bombed uh, uh, Saudi Arabia's oil supplies and cut their oil production in half, and so a lot of people are all up in arms about that. 
But what's interesting is this like knee jerk reaction that we America has to do something like we now we need to bomb Iran because Iran bombed Saudi Arabia. Well, what about Saudi Arabia? Like if that really did happen and, and, and Iran really is invading and trying to destroy Saudi Arabia or, you know, going that way, then isn't it Saudi Arabia's responsibility to mar aren't they like massively rich? Isn't it their responsibility yeah. to marshal a response? Why do we as Americans think that we automatically have to be the, oh, we got to go bomb them back? It's the you whole, know? it's the, you know, John, we talked about this a few episodes back, the power religion, the power state. It's the same ideology. You are um, the world police. So you're expected in order to, you know, keep your power. We got to fight China on the trade war. So we tear up everything. And then, and then we have to do, you know, we had to step in for these other countries and, when they can, like you said, Saudi Arabia is quite capable. What are they going to do? But we th we just sort of throw our nose in everything. Well, the simple answer to all of these issues is violence and power. And That's it's it. always violence and power, violence and power. And don't forget money. <laughs> and money, sure. <laughs> right. And this is always going to be the standard answer for essentially any modern nation state, because every single modern nation state is thoroughly pagan. Uh, this is also the answer to... Uh, disputes between people uh, it's always more power and coercion and violence and threats of violence and it just is the entire it's the it's the exact opposite of how the kingdom of god is built the exact opposite right like the kingdom of god is built by self-sacrificing humble service service to others while you have these punk facebook theologians threatening violence to because somebody disagrees with them on facebook really no better than these tyrants leading these nations bombing every last person who might have oil. Yeah, that's what's it, going on with the nation religion. states too. It, it's all tyranny. Mm -hmm. it, it's all violence. And the other thing is what uh, President, former President Eisenhower, the late President Eisenhower said, and he warned about the military industrial complex. And war begets more war because budgets need to be kept in place. And if there's not war and if there's not bombs to build, then there's budgets that are cut. And there's a whole system of defense contractors, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars from everything from pencil sharpeners to office chairs to IT systems to bombs and expensive planes and all sort, all manner of ships and oil and gas. Just this big, basically jobs program that is a, a massive behemoth that just needs to keep feeding itself to exist and grow and grow and sustain its massive size. We're spending so much more money on our defense than all of the other nations of the world combined. And we're not really in like a big World War II or a World War I, yet we've got this continual massive outlay for the military and all the contractors and all the other dominoes that are affected by this. Yeah, and, and with that infrastructure, we, we don't use it well. We use it in incredibly immoral ways, and we don't even take care of it. Right. <laughs> I read something. I would, I'll have to find the article, but I read something a few weeks ago where we have lost more military hardware in Iraq than dozens of nations even have <laughs> yeah. it just disappears until yeah. isis comes rolling into town with american armored personnel carriers yeah and it's like where did those go and then we're intentionally supplying other nations with weapons and guns and planes and billions and billions and billions of dollars oh it's insanity yeah I, uh, yeah i for, i've 
I can't remember. I, I looked this up last year. I did a sermon on war and I was looking at the stats and I think we're on track to break a trillion dollars in the next year or two. That wouldn't be like just the trajectory. Yeah. I think it was like this year, 900 billion. So yeah. Astronomical. And then the Pentagon just, you know, they have to budget in certain funds being lost because yeah. no one knows where that went. And, and uh, you know, I know tons of people in the military. And if you talk, I've never met someone in the military who will not have many stories of incredible waste. Yeah. Like everyone to a T that I've ever spoken to has some story about the, the level of wastefulness that is going on in the military. Gas stations that are built in Afghanistan that are never used. Um, we need we need to get um, more budget, so we're just going to shoot all this ammo, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rounds, till we have none left, so we can get more. Um, I mean, that's just a, a tip, tip, tiny tip of the iceberg. But that gives you an idea. So yeah. So anyways, so, yeah. What, well, what's I was going to say. So Bolton? yeah. So reason, <laughs> so, reason, so Bolton, Reason Magazine. Um, has this article about John Bolton. And again, the title is John Bolton is mad that Trump wouldn't let him bomb Iran. And it says, <laughs> I just want to read you a little clip here. Trump's recently fired national security advisor fumed about the president's unwillingness to launch another half-cocked war and says U.S. should stay in Afghanistan basically forever. Recently fired national security advisor John Bolton is spending his first days of forced retirement complaining about he how he was this close to finally starting a war with Iran if only President Trump hadn't stopped him. Politico reports that Bolton, during a private lunch on Wednesday, hosted by a neoconservative think tank, openly stewed about his inability to convince Trump to bomb Iran. In particular, Bolton claimed that the United States should have attacked Iran in June, after the Islamic Republic was blamed for shooting down a U.S. drone. Quote, During Wednesday's luncheon, Bolton said the planned response... I'm just slipped on me. Bolton said the planned response had gone through the full process and everybody in the White House had agreed on the retaliatory strike, Politico's Daniel Lippman writes, but a high, quote, high authority at the very last minute, without telling anyone, decided not to. Bolton complained. That high authority, of course, was the president himself. Yeah. And and it's funny because one, one thing we'll say about Trump, like, we'll, you know, bash Trump all day, but once in a while, because he's so unpredictable, he'll just make a decision. And sometimes... You know, blind squirrel, he makes a good decision. And let's give him credit. This was good. Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Even if it was an accident. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, uh, unfortunately, they've replaced uh, John Bolton with another John Bolton clone, who's a clone in terms of all of his policy uh, prescriptions, but he has a different personality. Like, he's more uh, subdued. John Bolton was very pugnacious in the way that he spoke. And combative. This guy's a little more quiet, but he still has. He's still born and bred, and he was a, a former Bush uh, guy, ah. and he used to be under Bolton. Actually, worked for Bolton while he was at the UN. <laughs> and so this guy Robert O'Brien, you know, is going to be probably you know, more of the same. So let's hope that you know Rand Paul and some others have a little bit more influence with. Uh, and maybe, with maybe Trump. just less willing to fight Trump on some things. Yeah, and something let's like hope that. for yeah. that. I do. I do remember that when the uh, drone was shot down, and there was discussion. On, on war. Now come to think of it. It really reminded June. me of sitting in the back seat of my parents' car when I was about eight and my sister was about six. And I would come maybe an inch away from poking her in the eye and be like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not <laughs> and when she when she threw something at me, I'd be like, Mom, Dad! Yeah. Mom, Dad! And it was like, it's very much the same thing. Yes, it's like, it I don't know where that drone was. And there's some dispute about where it was, but come 
on. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you you know you look at the map of where the United States our bases are located. <laughs> I mean, how, how dare they put their nation around our military bases? Like Why that? would they do such a thing? Yeah. No, we have to literally be in every place all around the world so we can control every country and prevent every wrong. That's right. that's what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, imagine how we would be if China had a massive military base in, say, like Toronto and Tijuana. Yeah. And like, it's just absurd. Yeah. And just just hanging out, you know, flying planes everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no threat whatsoever. And hey, you know what? At least they've never dropped an atomic bomb. True. There's that. <laughs> There's that. Wow. But that's another when episode. Was the last nation Iran um, invaded? Yeah, I can't think of that. Well, Iraq, actually. Iraq, there was an Iraq-Iran war. Yes. And that would have totally worked itself out if we just had not stuck our nose in. Let it go. Let right. it go. We, you know, it's hard to tell what would have happened, but could it have possibly been worse than whatever happened with Iraq? You know? Well, and the other thing, too, is like when you think about some of the policies you know, from even in De- Deuteronomy, God's law, the prescription for war, there's certain things that are you need to be in place, you know, very defensive. We're not just poking our nose in our sister's you know, face. We forget about the massive complexity of the Middle East and the political economical system. Like like you mentioned, John, like when was the last time Iran? And I actually think Iraq under Saddam invaded um, Iraq. or invaded Iran. But there was an Iraq Iran war. And, um, you know, there's Sunni and there's Shia, there's other, there's Israel, you know, there's other elements there. And, and, and then within Sunni and Shia, there's variability and, you know, Saudi Arabia and, and Iran, both Muslim countries, right? Well, they're like enemies, you know? So there's a lot of, it's not just big one, um, one Islamic state over there and you got ISIS, you know? Turkey's involved, uh, Syria's yeah, a mess. We try to stick our nose in and we don't know what we're walking into. Right, we yeah. have we have Kurds, we have Sunnis, we have Shias, yeah. and they're they're very regularly played against each other for pro-Israel um, policies. Right. Yeah, there, there's so much to be said on that. I, I do I do recommend our friend Dr. Joel McDermott's book on that. Um, I just think he just re-released he just re-printed. it too. Reprinted. Um, the Bible and War in America, I think, is, is the title. I can't remember now off the top of my head. It just popped in my mind. I, I just saw him. No, this uh, is a really good book because we can we can take apart uh, and dissect all of America's mistakes over the year. But what's important is to also lay out, you know, what is the way forward. And so this book, we'll really recommend it. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Joel McDermott's written a great one. It's available once again. Yes, indeed. All right. Speaking of nations, how do you like that segue? It's awesome. Oh, it's the best. The oh, kingdom good. of God. It's better if you don't draw attention to it. Is Zam- <laughs> Hey, everybody, look at this great segue that I just had. Oh, man, it just came to me, though. Anyway, yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back to talk a little bit more about my trip in Zambia, Crossing Crown's involvement there, what that's going to look like in the future, ways you can pray, ways you can give, those types of things as we try to, to disciple the nation. So... Uh, check us out on Facebook, Crossing Crown Radio. We'll be right back. The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped an old man along the way, hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. Gotta take a lot to drag me away from you. 
presenting Telos Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of Cross and Crown Radio. Telos exclusively chooses specialty-grade coffee to derive the highest flavor potential from beans sourced all over the world, culminating in deliciously roasted coffee for your enjoyment. Visit our website at www.telloscoffeeroasters.com to peruse an array of delightful blends or even purchase a subscription. Telos Coffee, where it's our purpose to deliver coffee you'll enjoy. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen to that. The Great Commission. God bless the the rains down in Africa. The Great Commission. Such a good song. I love that song. Welcome back to the second half of episode number seven. A fitting song. Yeah, it's a great tune. I like it. It's it's one of my favorites. I do listen to it a lot. Uh, I like Toto. Great band from the <laughs> 80s. Their song I, Rosanna is really good, too. I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my playlist, I swear. Anyhow, we are uh, going to talk for the next segment just about Zambia a little bit, about my trip. And I know you guys had some questions. Um what in the world was I doing? That sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess we'd start with the basics. Yeah, but that's like Eastern Europe, right? Yeah, I did fly over Eastern Europe <laughs> and the Middle East. You know, all the places. We oh, were you just, went to Dubai? Yeah, I had to lay over in Dubai. How was that? Their airport's something else. <laughs> it's, I can it's, imagine. It's impressive. One of the richest airports in the world. Man, like all these like shops, you know, the high-end stuff, the high-end perfume, all that stuff is there. Lots of lights. It's like if Vegas were an airport. Yeah. That's what it would be. That's crazy. Yeah. Cars, fancy Mercedes Benz all over the place. You know, you can win it. They, they have all this stuff. It's it's quite a place. And it's huge. Massive airport. You have to run from one end to the other just to catch your flight. Uh, a lot of money till the oil runs out. Yeah, until the oil is gone. Well, on my or maybe way, it won't. On my way back, I had a layover for 19 hours. So they have a, a hotel in the airport where you can sleep. But what's great about it is you don't have to go back through security. You just wake up, walk down to the gate, and hop on you your You sleep plane. in security. Oh, that's so yeah. nice. Yeah. It's really handy, especially when you're weary from you know flying a lot, and you're, which is what's the They're going to keep case. that place secure. Yes. Yeah, there's quite a bit of activity going on there on, on all fronts. But it's a, yeah, it's a really nice airport, really hot a lot there. Of, a lot of burkas. Yeah. Yeah, a few. Yeah. I guess it's more westernized. Yeah, there's a man, you know, it's amazing. Or was, at least accepting to Western yes. sensibilities. I, I was telling my wife that it's amazing because you really catch a glimpse of the world there. Yeah. Like everyone's there, whether Asian, you know, European, American, Spanish, you know. Yeah. It's, it's incredible, actually, to see people walking through. And then you listen for accents. And, you know, for me, I'm like, all right, that guy's white. But he's got like, he's from Australia or, you know, sometimes you can never tell. But the accents, you know, you hear people talking different languages, folks from Britain. So you flew from there directly to Zambia? 
Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, Dulles to Dubai down to down to Lusaka. Lusaka is the capital city, the biggest city Lusaka. in Zambia. Zambia, if you don't know, listeners, is down in the southern part of Africa. Um, Botswana's down there. Mozambique, uh, Zimbabwe is you know an important border uh, country. South Africa is another step down. Now but, you know, obviously Zimbabwe with Mugabe, and he just. He just died. died while I was there. What? What's the, is there, there's no, like, what's the political situation in Zambia right now? Well, Zambia is quite stable, actually, compared to Congo in the north and mm-hmm. Zimbabwe in the south. Zambia has a lot more political stability, mostly because years ago they, you know, rid themselves of the socialistic nonsense and declared themselves even constitutionally to be a Christian nation. So, which is interesting because here we are kind of in America, we've never explicitly bowed the knee to Christ, you know, in terms of like our constitution. Right. We paid lip service in a lot of ways to this vague creator. Um, but they've actually spelled it out. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of a different, a different thing. And, you know, for me, I go warning them, Hey, you have this blessing. Don't turn it into a noose around your neck by, you know, debt and making the same mistakes we make as a country. Right. Um, so I harp on that a lot, but politically it's, yeah, it's quite stable. You know, Mugabe was held up as a great leader. Um, and, and he, even though some of his socialistic bent, it's the same thing even in South Africa with Nelson Mandela. Um, there's just a lot of differing political views on that front, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, in the North, you have the Congo who there seem like they're always at war. Um, the DRC, um, obviously further North Somalia, there's a lot of places in Africa that are still, they just, I joked with a friend of mine over there. I was like, why can't they just get it together? Yeah. But it takes a moral people to get it together. Yeah. You know, and a, and a true moral people, they're Christian. They need to be Christianized. Yeah. Right. A gospel that actually affects all of life. Yes. You read the Great Commission, man. That's what I honed on. That was my whole my whole thing. So, I, yeah, we did the, uh, the Bible conference, which was great at the University of Zambia. Um. They have, it's interesting because the University of Zambia is kind of like the main hub and they have other schools um, that are, one's in Livingstone, you know, the great missionary, David Livingstone, there's a town there. It's very touristy. I haven't been there. I want to go, but they have a school there where they're basically cranking out teachers for their country. Um, And hopefully in future endeavors, I'll be able to go there, but yeah, education is huge there, and and they try really hard to to promote education, business. There's a lot of mining industry happening there. You know, if you have some big investments you want to make, go get some gold, some gems. The Chinese are there, and the Chinese are after copper, like it's going out of style. So they're doing yeah, a lot so the of Chinese are seeing opportunity. Yeah, there. I mean, it's kind of like a, a colonialization type thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to come. We'll scratch your back, but let us, you know, have some of your dirt. Yeah. And they're digging it out of the ground, building hospitals. There's this huge hospital toward the airport, which is on the eastern side of Lusaka. Uh, it's going to be a medical school. It's Chinese built. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of Chinese there. Few Muslim. Um but so there's a lot of activity. out of the goodness of the Chinese government's heart, they're just so yeah. they just want to build a hospital. In yeah, Zambia. is this like the Chinese government or just Chinese investors? Yes, 
That's what I thought. That's <laughs> yeah. what I thought. Well, actually, the airport you, you you fly into there is expanding, but it's interesting because you have sort of the old airport on the right if you're just you know staring at it. And then on the left, you have this beautiful, grand, modernized, Chinese-built airport. And for them, it's just you know a strategic move. They need to invest the money so they can get in and out. That's the whole point. Uh, for them to so, get in and out of the country. But they're racking up debt, you mentioned. So yeah, there's a lot of What debt. happens when you chain yourself to debt to a foreign you know, power who's, quote, investing, and, and, and you're paying for it. You're yeah. just racking up the debt. Uh, you, know, you have to follow their rules at, so, at some point. Very similar to what we did in very, like many countries, especially in South America. Mm-hmm. We go in, we invest heavily. Uh, we build up their infrastructure. We say, let us have a military base there. And it's not organically grown. It's not organically grown. And then whenever something happens, we're buying off NATO votes or UN votes or political support. Like people are going to cash in that check eventually. Or then we go in and like, you know, stage a coup and then ruin the country. And then they come to America and we have people that want to shoot them at the border. <laughs> There's that. There's always that possibility. Yeah. But that's, yeah, with what does Proverbs say? You know, you become a slave to the lender and that's what's happened. And, you know, China China will come in and say, hey, we'll loan you some money. You got you can build up your economy. There's, you know, investments, business, yada, yada. But then you owe all that money mm-hmm. and they're not going to just let that go away. Right. So then then it's like a bargaining chip for other things. You know, OK, well, let us come in and do this. Let us come in and do that. And there's just a lot of that in Africa generally, but especially especially in Zambia. I, I mean, I'm watching it with my own eyes. This is the second time I've been there and you just see China's building the roads. They're the ones that are going in and saying, Oh, we're going to, we'll build this road for you. And then it obviously for them, you know, it gets their big heavy machinery to and fro, you know, the job site. So they're building. Yeah. And then you get them dependent on China and China's money in investing the roads, maintaining the roads. Uh, what happens when China doesn't want to do that anymore? You right. know, yeah. Oh, well, you got to follow our rules or we're out of here. And, it's you true. Know. <laughs> you know, and the other thing, too, is like, you know, there's um, the U.N. You mentioned the U.N., John. Like, that's a that's a big thing. Something I've warned, you know, the people there two years in a row now is, A, you have Maria Stopes, who is coming in like a Planned Parenthood trying to promote abortion. You know, their big thing in is, Zambia, in Zambia, Christian nation, Zambia. A lot of people didn't even know. I asked around, hey, do you guys know about this? I mean, you know, there's photographic evidence. They're there. I drove by one of their, you know, offices and their slogan is children by choice. And this is this is not by chance. uh, Murder by choice. This is a pro-choice organization. Is it like a U.N. thing? Well, I I haven't dug enough to know if it is U.N. I mean, you know, they, they drive the cars that look like it. But I, I don't know if there's any direct ties. But that's part of the problem is the UN's going to dangle some money over and say, hey, Zambia, let abortion in, let, let same-sex marriage come in. You know, we'll give you this money. And and you know what? The same uh, Similar things are happening in the United States. You know, federal dollars for education, for example, or a whole number of things. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll first of all, we'll print the money. So we'll just essentially steal it from you via inflation. Right. And then we'll offer you this money that we've stolen from you in exchange for you uh, abiding by the regulations that we set forth. So essentially, the states and the localities have given away control of their own 
you know, way of life, their own state for nothing. You know, it's, it's the illusion that that, uh, you know, it's 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 more money. Well, it's just rearranged money out of other people's everyone else's pockets. Yeah, they took the cheese. They took the cheese. Yeah, it's bribery. It's manipulation. You know, it's backdoor. You know, dirty politics. Yeah. So this isn't to bash Zambia because their same thing is going on in the United States. It's just yeah everywhere. So who were you? Who were you speaking to primarily? You you mentioned that you went to the university. Yeah, that was the big thing. So yeah. I, that was the whole not the whole point of the trip. We we work with Bishop Malanga there. He's a great friend of ours. Uh, we worked with him last year. Um, when I got there on Tuesday night, we did like a pastors, you know, leaders conference. Lots of bishops came in. You know, quite a few from that represent like a lot of churches actually, which I didn't know at the time. Um, they each got, thanks to Calcedon, they each got a cop, a copy so of, you uh, were teaching a lot of bishops. Does it, does that make you a Cardinal? Like, I how does that know, work? Archbishop maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't so, know. So, but thing. you got Rush Dooney into their hands. You yeah. Got- faith and obedience. And the, the thing is like this stuff, it's kind of like the church in America. It's not really talked about a lot because, you know, toward the end of that session, I basically challenged them on uh, my, my audio thing went kerfritz. So I, I have the manuscript. I put it on my blog, but challenged them on when we talk about the Great Commission, what are the hindrances of the Great Commission? One of them is our own like self-induced megalomania like trying to control everything. Cause over there, like titles are huge. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's Bishop or prophet or an apostle. And there's a lot of clamoring for that. And it's really unhelpful because it comes across like you're building your own kingdom. And that was really where I tried to hit at home. Like, don't do that. Like serve your people. No doubt God has called you to this task, but serve them, empower them for the kingdom and, and, uh, you know, work with others too. I mean, we could learn a lot from that. Yeah. The other side of that coin, though, is that it seems like there's a lot of energetic young men and women there who are who are wanting to serve the kingdom and yeah. maybe need some guidance. But, you know, they are interested. They want to be told that their business endeavors is actually a contribution to the kingdom. Yeah. Because for so long, a lot of they don't make the connection. So I did I did that the one night and it, and it was great because, you know, a guy afterwards, he said, well, what about politics and what should our involvement be? And I, I just said, you should be involved. And, you know, we kind of talked through that, but that was only the one night. But then I worked with the University of Zambia, Chaplain Piri there. He is a, a great man. I got to know his family. You know, he had me over one night to meet his family and we had dinner and it was just, a, it was great. How was the food? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, there's some like mealy meal stuff that you, it's like a, you know, I, I can only describe it like cream of wheat. Have you had cream of wheat? Yeah. But like dry it out and roll it into a ball. Okay. It was really good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's hard to envision, but that's I awesome. can't remember the name of it. It sounds like <laughs> Shema in Hebrew, you know, but it's, it's Shuma, I think is how you actually say it. Yeah. They can correct me when they hear this. But yeah. The, Anywho. Yeah. So going to the university was great because you have students who are passionate about life. They're passionate about these pursuits. And I don't know if you guys knew this because Western culture doesn't seem to care, but there were some xenophobic acts happening in South Africa where you had native South Africans who were beating, mugging, killing Zambians, Nigerians, other migrant workers. And this was a huge, huge thing in the news there. Well, the, one of the days I went, I wanted to go with a friend of mine to go to lunch 
and they have like these little mini malls everywhere. Great food places, you know, great Indian food restaurant there. We go and they close them down. And my friend said, you know, he literally just picked me up. He said, we can't go there. The students are rioting. And I thought, what? I'm, I've been working with some students. What's going on? And then he kept me up to speed. Basically, they were protesting South African stores. And they even went to the embassy there, the South African embassy in Lusaka. And like, I guess, burned some tires underneath the sign. Hmm. And the sign caught on fire. Nigeria, apparently things got way out of hand. Um, I, I only saw a couple different stories burning cell phone towers. One of the companies, MTN, is a South African company. So they were like retaliating and some unrest going on. Yeah, some definitely. South Africa's got its own issues, that's for sure. Um, that's a different episode. That's a different episode, and and I'm not quite up to speed entirely. So we'd have to have somebody else talk about that. But anyway. Um, working with the university was great. The students there, we talked about the greatness of the Great Commission. That was the whole theme of the Bible conference and just unpacked a lot of that stuff. You can you know, listen to those things on our website, of course. Um, but I have to share this one story because we gave out Rush Dooney's Faith and Obedience booklet. I had like a hundred of them. Thanks, Martin. And uh, we, I gave them out and everybody got a copy, um, you know, the cool thing was, I think it was like the second night, a young man, I was in the chaplain's office. He came in, we were just chatting and I asked him if he'd started reading the book yet. And, and he said, well, actually I'm like 10 pages in. And I said, oh, well, what do you, what did you think? He's like, this is life changing. Hmm. Yeah. 10 pages in. 10 pages in. A right understanding of God's law. It, it was mind blowing. It really him. is revolutionary. It, it, is. it really is, especially when you grow up in like a dispensational, you know, the law is terrible. You know, that was Israel's thing. We're on to bigger and better things like grace, you know, this antithesis, the false antithesis. Right. But he said, yeah, like it gives new meaning to me. I was always told the law was abolished, so we don't have anything to do with it anymore. Everything's just about love. So what is love? Yeah. The fulfilling of the law, you know, walked yeah. him through it and he's just like floored. Yeah. You know. So that was a huge success for, for Praise me. Praise God for that. Yeah. Just chatting with them and, and spending time with them. And then I saw that you got to speak um, on Zambian television. Yeah. Is that not right? Yeah. I saw I saw that. Yeah. I saw television part of that. star. Yeah. Yeah. Big TV star here. Yeah. We were able to go on. Bishop Malenga and I, you know, we, we posted that video and that, that was great. Just interaction. It goes out, you know, millions to see it. So it's really cool. Incredible. Yeah. Um, talked about the Great Commission some more. You know, it, it, it's the, the funny thing is, it's like not many people. I don't know of anybody else, at least in terms of like the way Reconstructionists would frame things. Not many are talking about it. Um, so here we are on TV talking about these things, and it's just it's humbling. What an and, opportunity! Yeah, it's it's quite exciting. So yeah, the, the I have to share you this though too. Like the highlight of the trip was something that didn't even, wasn't even planned. All right. So Sunday morning, so I preached like eight times in six days, you know, it was quite, quite exhausting, but a blessing. And you know, that's, I love it. You know, meeting people, talking with them, it's wonderful. But Sunday morning I did a chapel service, you know, we have, I don't know, maybe like 300 students show up for this usually, uh, preached on Moloch worship and uh, just really tried to hit home this idea of worshiping the state. And what does that actually mean um, and how it's relevant to today? 
and just sharing some of the mistakes. You know, one guy one night said, what do, what do we need to learn? What do we need to learn? You, you keep telling us these mistakes that American Christians are making. What do we need to learn? And, you know, I talked about apathy and justice and things like that. And, but Sunday, that was really where I, I hit home. And, uh, you know, afterwards we finished up, I had, I went to another church to preach and thanks to one of our generous donors, I was able to really bless a bunch of widows and orphans with food Praise God. that last, you know, a month or three, depending That's on awesome. the family. Yeah. Humbling experience. An older man whose wife died of cancer was there, you know, being able to give him food and just pray for them. And man, it's like, it's powerful. So Praise God. to my donor who may be listening, thank you. You know who you are. Um, but after, after preaching there that Sunday morning, uh, I was invited to come the next day because my flight left Monday night. I was invited to come and sit and do a devotional for what's called the Council of Churches in Zambia. Now, I'm going to read this and you guys are going to be so triggered. Oh, you're going to be triggered. <laughs> Everybody's going to be triggered. Here's the mission statement, and I'll explain this. The mission statement for the Council of Churches in Zambia. Well, so the, it's a council of churches? Yes. Okay. Salvation armies involved. You have Wesleyans. Okay. okay. You have Reformed people. Okay. Um, and Reformed like, you know, us Reformed. You know, that sort of, not the wimpy Reformed. <laughs> um, Anglicans are involved. Uh, Brethren in Christ is involved. Now, here's what their mission statement says. It says this, The Council of Churches in Zambia serves as an ecumenical organization. (gasps) You triggered yet? (laughs) To strengthen Christian unity and to promote social justice. (gasps) Whoa, stop. (laughs) I told you. I got to tear my robe. I told you. To promote social justice, peace, and development. This holistic ministry for human dignity to members member churches, organizations, and to the people of Zambia is achieved through facilitation, advocacy, capacity building, and networking to the glory of the triune God. Now, that's, oh. that's good. Okay. Right? That's good. Right. That's a good statement. I like it. I took a picture of it because I didn't want to forget it, and it was hanging in the chaplain's office. He works basically for the council, not for the university. But I'm reading this and thinking, this is... This is good. So Monday morning, I get up early, right? And the chaplain drives me there. We go, and I'm sitting in a room of like 30 people. And I don't know any of them other than the chaplain, who I've been with all week. And I'm told to do about a 15-minute Bible study. So obviously talked about the Great Commission, things there. And I didn't realize at the time, but that group of people sitting at that table represent upwards of 8 or 9 million Zambians. Incredible. shocking incredible and humbling like i didn't know <laughs> and so i saw the picture of you sitting there at the table with them yeah it's just it was it was one of those god moments where you're like how did i get here what am i doing you know I, this wasn't planned i didn't even know about it until toward the end of the week when i was you know my most of my work was done but we're sitting there talking and they are just like eating it up they love it that, you know, here they are talking about social justice, peace and development like they are involved when the Zambian government has legislation or things they want to do. They call these guys. Now, what do they mean? Do they mean cultural Marxism you no. know, by social justice? What do they mean? They 
they mean now they wouldn't frame it exact like I said with regard to Christian reconstruction, but basically they mean applying the gospel, applying God's law. So they're involved. So not socialism. No. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. It's just it's astounding. So it's individuals working to uh, promote justice in society voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. And human dignity is even in the language. Mm-hmm. They are churches and, and groups of churches. You know, because you have like this Anglican council that is representative of hundreds and hundreds of other groups. You know, like so it's com- it's kind of complicated to explain, but there's just lots of people, lots of groups that join together. So you have Wesleyans working with reform guys. And they're they're the whole point of the ecumenical isn't to you know, they're not going to shy away from their differences. There are obviously differences with reformed and Arminian theology, but, but they're working together for the sake of Zambia and for the sake of prosperity, you know, and blessing, um, more loaded terms. I mean, they're, they're like, they run schools, right? You know, this isn't, this isn't just a bunch of guys beating their chest, doing their own thing. Right. You know, these are, aren't prosperity preachers. No, no, no. Uh, and there are lots of them there. Yeah. <laughs> everybody has a demon and everybody needs to pay their tithe. Uh-huh. You know, otherwise you don't get that blessing. And there's just you know a lot of that nonsense. But but they're not with that. No, no. These guys, from what I can tell, I mean, there's some we would obviously have some disagreements with some of their theology. Of course. But he didn't he didn't list like the Jehovah Witnesses. No. Or anything. I mean, these the cults are, are not these there. These are all. Within the broader orthodoxy. The glory of the triune God. They are Trinitarian. They are gospel-believing people. They believe the Bible is the word of God. And frankly, I will say this, because you have like Methodists in America, it's like rolling the dice. I mean, one Methodist church has the rainbow flag yeah. with a female yeah. lesbian you know, preacher wannabe. Right. But then you have a Methodist guy who's just faithful laboring out in the woods somewhere with 10 people, and he's a godly Bible-believing man. Right. But they're like they're they're more conservative. Yeah. So anyway, that that was just a huge blessing. Going there, doing that, meeting them, yeah, just honored. Afterwards, I sat and talked with their general secretary. Um, he he's uh, an Anglican bishop, I believe, Chicoya, his last name, and just sharing our vision, his vision for what they're trying to do to promote, you know, peace and health in society. And I'm just like, man, this is. Did you talk to them about this is reconstruction? Did you talk to them about what's going on in America at all? What you're doing back yeah. here and some of the challenges that we face? Because you know they've got challenges. Guess what? We've got challenges. Yep. yep. And they're eager to hear it too. Yeah. They love hearing. Okay. Well, what do you have going on? Yeah. And I'm like, well, we, you know, yeah, just <laughs> a different set of challenges. Judicial supremacy. You know, the court makes an opinion, and suddenly, you know, we're all bowing to the state. Mm-hmm. And like, so they yeah. that's not their world, but they love hearing about it because they don't know the the media doesn't cover that. Mm-hmm. Right. That. The media is, you know, they love Donald Trump. And then I come in and criticize him a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that's a different. <laughs> so there's <laughs> yeah, a it's, of- it's interesting. There's a lot of places in Africa where Trump is very popular. Very, very popular. It, it's it's kind of odd. Which it, you wouldn't expect because you think, oh, worldwide opinion of America isn't so hot. But there are places like India and places in Africa where they love America. Yeah. They do. I came home and I said, we need to be the America Africans think we are. Yeah. Because we're not, you know. live up to that. Well, hopefully, I mean, actually, it's so bad that hopefully we'll show them uh, pitfalls to avoid. Yeah. You know. And that was a big thing. They want to know what to avoid. Well, here, I'll share that. Here's my mistakes. Here's the mistakes I think the churches are making. And they're like eating it up. They love it because they want to know. 
they want to they, they don't want to make the same mistakes so what's next are they are you gonna are you ever gonna go back what's what's yeah you guys are coming too <laughs> and maybe we could do like a live show there oh yeah six oh, hours ahead of time of eastern standard time we can figure it out no deal I, I intend to go back i really need you know folks to help me get there there's a lot i've, I've made contacts in kenya there's a guy there who's doing an orphanage ministry. There's just like, so I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this because, you know, I'm one guy, I can't do it all. But, you know, our Crossing Crown is very involved in this, prayerfully supporting it. Um, I know some of you guys want to go. There's others in our church that want to go. They want to serve. So we're trying to like figure that out because it's not cheap, right. you know, airfare, those things. Um, but you make it work. So, as far as the future, you know, one thing, honestly, guys, you can pray about this, but there's a place called Chalunga. Uh, we call it Linda. It's like a small little village. Very, very poor. Um, we want to put a school there. We want to plant a church there. There's a building where we want. Um, it's really nice. Perfect opportunity for the gospel. Perfect. Op- there's cults there. They need to be fought against. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of pictures. I haven't put them up yet. I will at some point. Um but there's opportunities for that to get behind schools. And what's cool about over there is like you, you build a school, it's in the community and they're teaching the gospel. Pastors are yeah. there it's, leading it. It's exactly what we need here. I know there's a lot of differences, but there's also just some things are the same everywhere. We need to be planning communities of faith, civilization, social order. Right. We need that here in America because we've, bifurcated you know uh the the christian life with what's this what is the secular and they need that over there too they need so many christian social orders to flourish and burgeon right yeah. over there. not not just getting your you know religious box checked every week with right. your rituals um obviously yes fellowship with the, the saints worship god on that day but we are planting a christian civilization Amen. Yeah. So we need if we could be a part of that somehow, that mm -hmm. would be so terrific. Yep. And we and we can. There's the opportunities there. We I mean there's strategy. I in fact the day the day of when I was leaving after that morning thing I I did with the council, um, yeah, I just sat down and we're trying to hash through some things. I even have you know a piece of paper that describes potential future opportunities. and, you know, when we think about the nations, there's unreached people groups, there's people that need to go there. There's like so much in terms of world missions. Um, but also we really, really need like a place like Zambia that is, you know, uh, majority Christian on paper. They're Christian. We need them to not like drop the ball and let the UN give them some cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got to fight against that. So yeah. that's part of discipleship. And of course the great commission, you know, teaching them to obey, They're yeah. teaching obedience to God's law. That's the point of the great commission. Exactly. You can, you can reach as many people groups as you want and reaching people groups, new people groups is great. But if you reach those people groups and you're not discipling them to become Christian cities, Christian towns, Christian social orders, then what are you accomplishing? Yeah. You're just saving souls for heaven. And tell you what, that message resonates. So I, I thank God, God for the trip. I thank listeners who gave. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Like I can't even begin to tell you the fruit um, because a lot of it's unseen. But even what I could see, see there, it's a it's an absolute joy and a blessing to spend time with folks. I'm developing relationships, which makes it easier for the future. So you're not flying blind. Um, 
yeah, there's just so much, so much work that can be done there. So I feel like we should pray for Zambia. Yeah. Why don't yeah. you do that? Okay. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that you gave to Pastor Jason to go over there and to hopefully make a difference. We pray that the words that he spoke would uh, manifest themselves in, in the lives of the people there, that they would bear fruit and that they would be advantageous for your kingdom. God, we pray for Zambia as a nation. Uh, we thank you for the graces that are already there, but Lord, we know there's also a lot of work like there is to do here in America. And we ask that you would use us, use the Zambians who are there to create uh, communities of people who are totally submitted to you and your word and to Christ in all areas of life, that they would be totally discipled for your kingdom, Lord. And not just to, like we talked about earlier, save people, just, uh, you know, just give them a fire insurance ticket. But we know, Lord, that your project here is to redeem all things. And that was why the Son of Man uh, came. And so uh, we ask that you would manifest that in in Zambia, uh, using us, using the Zambians there. We thank you for the opportunity there. And we pray God's blessing on the nation of Zambia. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, indeed. Well, guys, uh, as always, it's a pleasure. We, uh, we're wrapping up season, we're halfway through season two, wrapping up episode number seven. You know, thank you listeners for, again, all your encouragement, all your support. Check us out on Facebook, find us online. Until next time, Jesus is King. No neutrality, no exile, no surrender, none of it. Amen. 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 I guess I'm a disappointment. Doing everything I can, I don't want to make you disappointed. It's annoying. I just want to make you feel like everything I ever do is never trying to make an issue for you. But I guess the more you thought about everything, you were never even wrong in the first place, right? Yeah, I'ma just ignore you, walking towards you. On my head down, looking at the ground, I'm embarrassed for you. Paranoia. What did I do wrong this time? That's parents for you. Very loyal. Should I have my back? Would you put a knife in my hands? What else should I carry for you? I care it's for like you, but right now. I wish that I could say I'm proud. I'm sorry that I let you down. Let, let, let you